You are listening to the Just Between Us Women podcast, hosted by Leah Brueggemann and Katherine Johnson. We are bringing you conversations about topics you might feel strongly about, but are too afraid to begin. How we navigate entrepreneurship as a wife and a mom without losing ourselves in either identity. We want to open the conversation and how we continue to grow in our faith while pursuing our passions. How strong communities of women help us to grow personally and ways to foster them. And taboo subjects no one wants to bring up don't need to be a business owner, a wife, or a mom to come join us. All you have to have is this desire for discussions that scratch deeper than the surface. Hi, ladies. Welcome back to the podcast. Um, today, we are bringing on a very dear friend of mine as our guest. Um, we have been talking about bringing her on. Lee and I have been talking about bringing her on. We've been so excited to have her. Um, so I want to introduce you all to my dear friend, Joanna Hyatt. She is an author, international speaker, and media personality, most often dialoguing on the critical issues that intersect faith, culture, politics, and the human spirit. She is currently writing and hosting the Dilemma series for Right Now Media and Cairo Films. Thanks for coming on, Joanna. We're so oh glad to goodness. have you. It is such a pleasure. Thank you. I'm excited for today's conversation. Awesome. So yeah, for today's conversation, um, a few moms have actually, they reached out to us in our messages about this topic. And this is something that Lee and I talk about as young moms with, you know, we have little boys and just thinking about future conversations that we want to have with them um, is how the heck do you talk to your kids about sex? <laughs> because I mean, our parent, I know for one, for me, like, and it's really not my parents' fault. This is pretty common with a lot of the young moms I know and talk to is that, you know, our parents weren't really, they weren't even spoken to really about it because their parents, it was the super taboo issue. So whenever they had our generation, they tried to the best of their ability, but they didn't really have the direction and know where to go. So now again, we're young moms and trying to just think ahead and we're like, well, how the heck do we go about this? I have no idea. <laughs> Absolutely. And yeah. um, I love that you guys have boys. I have four little girls. And yeah. so um, <laughs> I'm, I'm like on the other side of the, you yeah. know, some of the conversations we have are going to be a little different than the conversations you have. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, but really, I think it starts with what, what is our heart and what is our perspective? Because what can be so daunting is, is, is thinking of like that one question that's going to inevitably come that your child asks you and makes you just want to hand the baton to your spouse and be like, I have, I have to go walk the fish. I'm so sorry. <laughs> like you just, you want out. Right. And because you just know that question's coming someday that you're not going to know how to answer. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, I think it starts first with what is our attitude about sex? Where are we trying to take our kids? And then that informs the way we approach these questions. So to kind of back up on that, you know, taking what you said, like a lot of our generation was not raised with a really great example of what it looks like to engage our kids on this topic in a way that is culturally relevant and biblically accurate. Mm -hmm. And those two things have to go together, you know, as people of faith, because if you come at your kids with like, this is the worst thing ever, you're going to die. You know, if, if you give a hand job, like hair is going to grow on your hand. And then that doesn't happen. <laughs> you immediately are disqualified, right? Mm -hmm. Kids look around at their peers and they go, well, that, that person didn't die. That person actually seems to be rising in popularity. So mm -hmm. mom and dad must not know what they're talking about. Mm -hmm. And, and so that's the culturally relevant part where we have to know kind of where our kids at, what's the world that they're growing up in. But the, the biblically rooted is to have a right understanding of what scripture has to say. And you know, I, I think there's so often these polar extremes. So 
which kind of what the world has to say, right? Everything goes, this is great, no parameters. Um, any of you parents who try to put parameters are harmful, backwards, all that. But then a lot of us have grown up in the church. And I would say churches, any of us who've grown up, you know, it can be Protestant, it could be Catholic, um, where you, there's a faith component, right? Where it's, mm -hmm. it's rooted in scripture. Um, but a lot of times, if there's a conversation, it is that extreme of don't do this. It's terrible. Uh, but when you get married, rainbows and unicorns, you're going <laughs> to love it. Like, how are we supposed to stand in this place? And so, so I would argue that there's actually needs to be a new position, a, a new perspective where we present to our children what has always been God's heart for sex, um, which is that it is beautiful and it is powerful and, and that they can be both uh, a blessing and really make life more difficult depending on how you go about it. And so as parents, for us first sitting with what is our perspective on sex? What have we been taught? Does it line up with what the heart of God is on this issue? Because that is going to impact the way you then go about your conversations with your kids. Mm -hmm. That's really powerful. I love that. I know. I'm sitting here going, I remember the first time my mom had a conversation with sex about me. And I remember just staring at her and like walked away. Like, I have no idea what my mom just said. And the next <laughs> week she like pulls me aside. She's like, I don't think I really got to you. And I'm just like, we're talking about this again. And it wasn't till like months later. I was like, that's what she was trying to tell me. Like <laughs> it literally made no sense to me at all. Yeah. Yeah. My mom tried to talk to me. I, I think I was playing with Barbies at like 10. And she's like, so we need to talk about, about sex. And I, I distinctly remember my response, mom, I learned everything I need to know at school. I went to a public school. Like that mm -hmm. response should terrify any parent. Yeah. And, and just, just realizing like, there's, there's so much in it. My, you know, our parents, I, I really believe our parents did the best they could. And it wasn't mm -hmm. a conversation, um, that, that they were taught how to have. And now it is so at the forefront that we have to have it. And our kids are thinking about it. And so I love that you are getting ahead of this as, par as parents of young kids um, to think through, okay, when this conversation comes, how do we tackle this? Mm -hmm. uh, that's the great irony though, that now I love to talk about sex and relationships and dating. <laughs> Whereas mm -hmm. a kid, I was like, I will die if you bring this up. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I think that's so many women too, because I'm from the hormone space. Like I have women that literally like can't say the word vagina. Like mm. they just kind of look at me and they'll like say their word around it. And I'm like, you mean vagina? And they're like, yeah, yeah, that, yeah. And I'm just like, it's not a bad word. You have to learn. But so many women to, like older than me still mm -hmm. have that. So mm -hmm. yeah, I, that's I think a great it's a point. big issue. Like how we talk to our kids about even just our body parts. So all of, you know, uh, if you have young kids start calling the body parts, what they are, mm -hmm. just use the word, which, mm -hmm. which right there shows you're not afraid of it. You're even if you internally feel terrified. Um, and neither is it something we have to be ashamed of like, oh gosh, God gave you a penis. Like what? Like that's what we have <laughs> or they have boys have, we don't have them as women mm -hmm. because when you use the right terms, you, you are also giving dignity to that. I mean, like, this is a conversation that we're comfortable with in this house. And it, it, from the get-go doesn't make it a thing that is kind of mysterious and we're ashamed of to mm -hmm. talk about with mom and dad. Uh, and I, you know, I have 
like I said, four daughters. And so there will be questions. My little ones, they're like, what's this? What do you know? <laughs> you just matter of factly talk about it, even if internally you're hyperventilating a little bit um, mm-hmm. because you're establishing from a young age that you are the person they can come to with these questions, that you are the one they can trust and, and that you, um, you know, welcome this, that, that this conversation isn't off limits because it starts with what are the names of my body parts and it will move from there, you know, and as they get older, they're going to ask what's happening to these body parts uh, and, and why do I feel this way about that person? And, and you will layer onto that, but it really begins with those kind of seemingly innocuous conversations about how we name our body and refer to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I also wanted to mention, uh, which ties into, um, you talking about, you are the expert. You need to be viewed as like the expert to your kids and they need to be comfortable with you in your book, the sex talk. I love how you talk about how, even if you have made mistakes in the past in the sexual sphere, that's okay. And that doesn't like invalidate where you're coming from. So I'd love if you could speak to that a little bit more, because I feel like that is also something so common in like faith-based spheres is like, Mm -hmm. oh my gosh, well, I messed up. I'm a terrible person and I'm in no position to talk to my kids about it. Absolutely. And I think there's people who say I didn't do anything and I'm in no Mm -hmm. position to talk to my kids about it. And, and I would say that that is, that is a lie that I would go so far as to say, that's the enemy trying to disqualify you uh, before you've even begun by telling you that your story doesn't give you authority. And first of all, we know that parents are the most significant voice when it comes to their kids' decisions about sex and dating and relationships. And, you know, if you have made choices, you were like, man, I wish I had not done that. Then what that is, is an opportunity to speak from experience for why you are wanting to call your kids to something better. And you don't have to go into details, you know, children don't need to know. And, and children could include your 17 year old. They don't need to know the details of what mom or dad did, but why not be able to speak to them and say, look, I know firsthand what it is to feel used, what it is to feel regret, what it is to give your heart to someone and watch them throw it away. And I don't want that for you. Just in the same way, you can say, look, I know I look like everything's fine now, but I can tell you there was a lot of pain through it that I want to spare you. Or I didn't make any of those choices and I'm glad, or I regretted this and, and being honest uh, with our kids so as to help equip them and help them learn even faster, maybe than, than we did. And I think the reason a lot of times we don't want to speak about our experiences is because we have not uh, kind of forgiven ourselves for them. And, and somehow around the issue of sex, a lot of times in faith circles, in the church, um, we don't touch on it. And so it seems like the sin that is too great mm-hmm. to, to be forgiven. And what is missing too often from conversations is how the grace of God covers all that. I mean, if you look at scripture, it is all about Jesus coming to redeem. And that means that he has taken all of our stories, whatever they are up until this point, and he redeems them. And he, he wants to make something new and beautiful from them. And, you know, as, as moms, we know that every day we fail in parenting and yet we don't give up. We're not just like, well, you know what, this is not going well. I think I'm out. Like you, you get up the next morning and you do it again, believing that God is going to work through your failings. And so why do we not believe that God can also work through some of those decisions and choices we made um, that, that weren't honoring to him and yet 
could be redeemed and used for his glory. And so again, I think it goes back to like, where are we at? Like, have we sat with Jesus to say, please help me be able to see this the way you see it, that you have bought me, you have forgiven this, that this is no longer a thing to condemn me. And now how do I speak that freedom into the lives of my children? Because if it's not sex, it'll be something else that your kids do that causes them to trip up. And so what we want them to get is that like, God is a gracious God who loves them and that there is nothing they can do that will cause him to say "Mm, too far, too much, can't do that. And so knowing whatever your history is, God specifically gave those kids to you to raise, whether they came through the, the gift of adoption, whether they came through your womb, whether they, they are stepkids, like God has given you those kids to raise and he knew your story. He knew your experience and he intentionally put you two together because he knew that that would be a blessing to those kids. So many mic drops. <laughs> That's so good. And I think that really just hit the nail on the head for uh, so many people. I love that you asked that question, Catherine, because I mean, that's the power and the the wonderfulness of confession, but Mm -hmm. you also have Mm -hmm. to trust them that you're forgiven and you need to, you know, be able to be open about that. Right. If God is able to get over it, why are we holding on to it? <laughs> well, and I think yeah. wouldn't Satan love to disqualify all of us and keep us out of the fight by just having us sitting there? Oh my goodness. In our shame, mm-hmm. because then we're not good for anything. We're not good for our kids. We're not good for our spouses. We're not good for our communities. All we do is we sit there. And what that does is that negates what, what Christ did on the cross. Mm-hmm. And, and it's actually a position of pride and arrogance to say, somehow my sin is greater than what, what you could possibly Um, have done for me. And, and we need every person in the fight right now Uh, Mm -hmm. and not in the fight in a political sense, but we need every person in the fight saying, I'm going to raise a standard of righteousness in my home. I'm going to raise a standard of righteousness in my community. I'm going to speak truth. I'm going to live out that, which is good and beautiful. And you cannot do that when you are burdened and shackled by shame. Yes. So good. (laughs) So that brings me to the next question then. It's not really a question. It's more of a statement, honestly, is, you know, people, some people, not everyone hear this and we hear it from the pulpit and we hear it from our parents or we hear, we, we talk about it with friends and then we go, well, guess I need to ditch all my electronics because, you know, sex is everywhere and it's in TV. And so we're just not going to do any of it. So I would love for you to talk to that. Um, and you know, how we deal with technology with our kids, as far as sex goes. Well, listen, my kids are getting stone tablets until they're 18. So I don't, I don't know how this is relevant because phones <laughs> are not going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I get that feeling. I get, you know, it, and, and there is, I think a balance of, we have to be wise and we have to be okay that we're going to parent differently than the world. So mm-hmm. your kid might not get a phone at 10, right. certainly right. not a smartphone. Like if we know what the temptations are and we know um, how, how the world is really seeking to take our kids and separate them from us and devour them, then we do have to be okay to be different. But again, Mm -hmm. we can explain to our kids why. I don't think we ever need to be afraid of explaining um, our heart motivation behind why we're doing something for our kids to really learn um, to think through. I mean, my my oldest daughter is seven and I tell my kids, you can always ask me why. You have to, you may not agree with me. Ultimately my word stands, but you can always ask me, why are you 
asking this or why are you saying this? Because I want them to learn it is because I love you and I'm for you because ultimately that will translate into the way that they see God. So when it comes to electronics or things like that, there's going to be what I call guardrails uh, in place. And, and guardrails is, is, you know, it's not just when it comes to electronics, it's all things. Um, So to tangent and then come back to this real quick, you know, all of us growing up probably heard the word boundaries, like in, in dating relationships, you should have your boundaries. And that just sounds so limiting. So like a, a straight jacket to me, like a teenager, if you tell a teenager, I'm going to give you some boundaries. They're not like, yes, I totally catch the vision behind this, but guardrails, especially to a teenager who's learning to drive, you know, the purpose of guardrails is to show you how far you can go on the road, and still be safe. And we, we instinctively know that that guardrail is there uh, for our good, not as something that is really trying to hinder our ability to enjoy life. And so it's the same thing in relationships. We have guardrails that we put in place to help us, to help our kids know how far you can go and still be safe. And to know at which point when you cross this guardrail, risk increases. Now it may be a little bit of risk or maybe a lot of risk, depending on what point you cross the guardrail. And so for instance, for electronics, it's not that we are cutting our kids off completely uh, because we we do have to raise our kids to be able to walk into the world someday and and relate. If we totally cut our kids off from everything, we are actually setting them up to fail because they're not going to know how to deal with these things. And they're going to then learn in real time as adults without our guidance and our wisdom there to help them learn. So, you know, as little kids, it may be limiting how much screen time they have. And it's hard. It's, it's so hard not to just immediately turn on the TV or hand them a tablet or your phone when you need to buy 20, 30 minutes. Uh, but you are building habits into what your family culture says about what is good um, and how we spend our time. And then, you know, as they begin to watch things, you need to be sitting there and engaging with them, right? Because even the most uh, seemingly wholesome video that you watched as a kid, you watched as an adult, you're like, wait a second, I didn't know that that was in there. Mm -hmm. And you want to be able to talk them through that. And we're not going to be able to catch everything. So how can we instead talk about that? Like, that was interesting. You know, even my daughters are into Disney princesses. And we talk about, that's interesting that she just met him and then thinks she wants to marry him. Like, does that make sense? Versus, you know, I keep pushing Belle because at least Belle, like read books, got to know a guy who didn't look very good and got to see his heart uh, before she just was, I mean, listen, Ariel, Prince Eric's the most handsome of them all, but literally she looks at the guy on a boat and is like, I'm in love. You're like, oh, this is terrible. (laughs) But if you start talking your kids through that and you get in the habit with very simple things, as the TV shows increase, as the movies increase, as they begin to engage um, with social media, again, you're in the habit of having these conversations and, and just, you know, being very mindful of like, why is my child on this? Why is my child going to get on Facebook? Why is my kid going to open an Instagram account? Why is my kid going to do TikTok? Is that feed into where I'm trying to help my child go? So if you've, if you've done the work to say, how am I going to talk about this? Where do I want my kid to get when it comes to sex and relationships? Look, I want my child to wait till marriage. They may not, but if that's my aim, then how I parent and talk about this is going to feed into that. Um, and, and so I, it's, I'm going to be intentional about is, is Facebook feed into this, uh, beautiful design that God has created. Does it help support that? Or is it just 
create further temptation, uh, self-doubt, comparison. And again, as parents, like, how are we using social media? How are we using uh, our time in front of the screen? So much of this <laughs> ends up being convicting for ourselves and before we can work it out for our kids. Yeah. Yeah. Like a smoke mirror when you were talking about, oh, when I need to get something done, like don't pull your phone out to, you know, have your kid, you know, be babysat by the phone. And I was like, yeah, I could see myself sitting somewhere in a doctor's office and having 15 minutes and just like, instead of, I mean, I guess I could, I could pull out a book or I could get work done, but instead you just go to scroll social media and it's like, yeah, it's like holding up a mirror when you tell your kid not to do that and you tell them they can ask you why <laughs> you need to make sure you're reflecting that for sure. I mean, there's a reason I think kids, little kids these days grab for the phone. They don't know what it is. They don't know how to work it so much, but they see that we are on it. And so clearly it's important to us. So now it's important to them. Mm-hmm. That's been really convicting to me when I see that. I'm like, Ooh, that's when I know I've been on my phone too much when my, my kids are grabbing for my phone Mm -hmm. because they figure, well, this is worthy of mom's attention. So it must be worthy of mine. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good reminder for sure. Because I mean, I think I definitely for one fall into that, you know, where you're like, Oh, I have all these phone calls. Here's a tablet. (laughs) It's hard. It's it's really hard. Um, I think to parent right now, because there's so many things that we can do with our time and they're good. Mm -hmm. So many of them are good things that we can do with our time. But again, looking big picture, and I'm constantly having to check myself on this is based on how my day is going and I'm structuring my day and I'm pouring my time. What is that saying about what I value and where we're trying to get in 10 years? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But there's a monotony in parenting that can, that can be exhausting. I totally get it. I get, mm-hmm. you know, every day you're like, oh my goodness, we're doing this again. Like literally <laughs> it's just groundhog day. And yet all those little groundhog days are, are adding up to shaping souls and, and people who are going to walk into this world. And you see when people were not shaped well mm-hmm. um, and, and the fallout. Um, and I think a lot of times it was just because it, it was just not intentional parenting. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a, it wasn't trying to drop the ball, but it was not an intentional, like, how am I shaping you? Where am I taking you? Who are you becoming in Christ? Oh, yeah. I have a question. Um, and this may be a question you already have Catherine, but I'm a curious. Um, so I heard from a guy actually once that the, the person that your kid hears anything about sex from first is who they are initially or always going to go to for advice after that, because that establishes, um, an expert for lack of a better term, because they made them aware of it in the first place. So with everything that goes on and you obviously monitor your kids to the best of your ability, when do you start talking about this? Because I see so many schools of thought where people are like, try to, you know, protect that quote unquote innocence, but it's almost ignorance for Mm -hmm. such a long time before they have to enter that world. Mm -hmm. But then obviously you can get exposed to it anywhere. So you want to be the person that talks to your kid about it. So that's absolutely, you know, I, I always say that you need to have had at least a conversation on a few before they hit puberty, but that's not to mean you're not, you're not talking about things related to sex. Mm -hmm. So for instance, with my girls, like I said, from the get-go, we've called their body parts, what their body parts are. 
that's, that's your vagina. A baby comes from a uterus. Uh, you know, I don't go so far as to like name every part down there, but for them to get comfortable enough. And then, you know, when they're, when they start to be about four or five, and even, even at like three, I start to say, nobody is allowed to touch this. This part is special. This, you know, and, and they don't know what that part's used for, but they start to understand this part is different. Somebody can hold my hand, but they cannot touch me down there. And, and I just keep layering that in because I don't know at what point it's going to click, you know? And so I want to be the first one to start putting those parameters around what is the use of this? Uh, you know, then they understand, okay, a baby comes out of here. Okay. So that's, that's important. And because I have girls, like (laughs) they, they know that mommy has a period every month. So what is that about? Like I had a panic attack when I turned 14 and got my period. I was like, what is happening here. And I don't want that for my girls. Right. And so it's all layering in of these things that are a little bit different that we don't talk about in society. Mom's okay to talk about them with us. Um, And then I know that my seven-year-old probably in the next year, couple of years, we're going to have to talk about what actually is sex, Mm -hmm. but she hasn't asked yet. So I'm, I'm gauging as, as she asks questions, as she brings things up, as she hears us talk, I just watch to see is anything registering on her face um, or not, you know, like she's kind of oblivious right now. Her world is crushes. Well, what's the big deal about crushes? And mm-hmm. I don't like that. The, and so as a parent, it's, it's always paying attention to where our kids are at because we do want to be age appropriate, right? We, do, we don't, mm-hmm. and that's part of the fight right now with sex education that's being introduced into a lot of public schools is that it's not age appropriate. Mm-hmm. that, that it's seeking to actually remove that innocence. It's seeking to stir up in our kids ideas and questions and that they didn't, they didn't have, and they would not have had. And so I, I understand that of like, I don't want to be the one, that, but also we do want to be the first. And so if you start with something that doesn't directly connect to a man and a woman having sex, what you're doing is you're layering on and building that conversation and then you're paying attention. You're listening to your kids. Uh, you're paying attention to the questions they're asking, the questions that if you have multiple kids, I'll just kind of eavesdrop, uh, you know, just what are they talking about and what's relevant and, and always weaving into that. Again, where are we trying to get them to go? And that your body is special. And, um, and if anybody touches this, it's not your fault. Like there's so much, but, but also knowing, okay, the age of knowledge is getting lower in the sense that kids are finding things online, mm-hmm. peers are talking um, and because they have older siblings, they're watching stuff. And so depending on what kind of school your kid goes to, that could impact when you need to have the conversation. And don't panic. If they come home and they ask you a question, they say, I heard this. That doesn't mean you missed the window. That means the window has now been opened for you. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. yeah. and that's your starting point. Um, but if, if you hit puberty and you're like, I'm just going to not talk about this until like 16. Yeah. That's too late because I guarantee your kids are asking questions. Their body's changing. Their friends are saying stuff. Um, and so you, you want to be ahead of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a roundabout way to answer your question. <laughs> no, no, that's, that's what I was. That's what I was curious about. Cause even you have to honestly, sadly, mm-hmm. you know, protect your kid from sexual predators as yeah. well. And like, I mean, she, they got to know that, you know, that's not normal and not right. And you need to come talk to mom. And I mean, that honestly even scares me with potty training, you know, like that's why choosing your babysitters is so, um, 
scary. Important. <laughs> yeah. And as mom of boys, you know, you, you said some of these women who'd step forward, mom of boys. Mm-hmm. Well, listen, we know the average age that a, a boy looks at porn is dropping. Mm-hmm. It used to be 11. It's now like eight, eight. nine, yeah. you know? So, so as a, as a mom of boys, like these are conversations you are going to need to have, and you may not get into the semantics of what is sex and how does this, you know, man and a woman, but if they're going to see porn, like, how do you preface, Hey, at some point you may see something and it may stir stuff up in you and it may cause you to feel something. And, and that feeling itself is not bad. I think that's another thing in the church mm-hmm. we've often been taught sexual desire is wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not God created us to be sexual beings. If, if we didn't desire sex, none of us would be here because mm-hmm. our parents wouldn't have wanted each other and Adam and Eve wouldn't have wanted each other. So sexual desire in itself um, is not necessarily a bad thing. It's what we do with it. And does it, does it get used within the context of what God says is good and right marriage between a man and a woman? Um, or does it get used for our own selfish pleasure or taking? And so, so being able to distinguish that, like if this stirs something up in you, if you see something Uh, you know, if if a guy says, I love you, sometimes girls don't realize the power of a few words, Mm -hmm. something being stirred up in you does not mean that that feeling itself is wrong, but then what's the best context for that? And, and what does that mean? And what does God, why did God design us to, to be stirred up? I mean, I I think using the word aroused for an eight-year-old is probably a little much. So, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) but yes, those are things as parents, we, we have to be aware of. There's going to be conversations about gender, uh, because that, that is becoming so prevalent in, in our culture. And what does it mean to be a man? What does it mean to be a woman? And, um, you know, is God intentional in the fact that he designs us male and female? Can you change that? And, and is that a good thing? I mean, these are, these are conversations our parents would have never dreamed of having. Right. And, and we are in this new frontier. Yeah. Sadly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sadly, but also I love I forget the actual quote or like who it's registered to, but how God created us in our timeline for a reason. And so he created our kids in the timeline for a reason. So like, there's kind of a sadness that, oh my gosh, these are like questions that our kids are going to have. But like, I love to, it's very comforting to think like, no, God said that, you know, my little son, Seth was made in this time because I'm going to equip him with everything that he needs to be able to handle these issues because it is scary, especially you know, looking at the world that we're around and having, you know, little kids and you're just bombarded all the time by, you know, these agendas that are just not even hidden anymore. It's just honestly, is so startling to me. Like there's, I mean, porn, it's like soft porn in TV shows now. It's not even, it's not even, it's not even tried. No, no, it's not, (laughs) but it's, yeah, it's not even tried to be like hidden at all. It's, there's not even any innuendos anymore. It's very explicit. So it gets a little bit overwhelming sometimes for sure to be like, Oh my gosh, there's just so many elements. But I also find it kind of exciting because I think where a a lot of our generation was raised where it's like, well, everybody's kind of Christian Catholic following God. Sure. Uh, But we didn't have to get into these big now nitty gritty issues. I mean, I grew up around him. My dad would just unpack it. Like tonight we're talking about immigration, but for the most part, <laughs> we didn't, right? We get to raise our kids. 
uh, very intentionally. We know what the landscape is. We understand that they are walking into enemy territory. We are under no illusion that they're going to walk into a future that's going to embrace what they're about. And it's going to love that they, you know, follow the church, uh, that they are followers of Christ. No, like we're raising kids to, to be rebels essentially. And so to me, that, that creates a roadmap in a sense, because you know that you have to have these conversations because you're raising them up to be in conflict. And so how do we raise up our kids um, when instead of giving this sort, this sort of vanilla faith that, yeah, we follow Jesus, we go to mass, we say our prayers and that's it. How are we rooting them? How are we purposefully uh, shaping them and forming them. You know, I, I, I read the Bible with my kids most every morning and I say that to them, like they're like seven, five, two, and one. And they're just looking at me with these big eyes. and like, you're going to grow up in a world that's not going to like you because you choose to follow Jesus. But look at what it says. It says in here that, that the kingdom of God is a great treasure. You should give, what does it look like to give everything for? And like, we all thrive on stories of adventure, of heroes, uh, of, of epic stakes. And I believe that that's because as followers of Christ, we are living a story of adventure, uh, you know, following a hero, epic stakes. And it's not necessarily what the world says it is. We know we're in a spiritual battle. And so we can be intentional in our conversations and, and the way we are praying for our kids, the way we are parenting them. And then to be able to just, trust that, that God is for them even more than we are. And so whatever we give them to be equipped with, like God's going to work with that and God's going to move through them. And God's going to take those little two and five and six year olds that we have now in our home and someday use them to be the giants of the faith, to be the people that walk into that future society, whatever it is, and speak truth and know how to reason and know how to get into the trenches and love people. The world's going to need that. And we get to be the ones to raise him for that, which to me is so exciting. If it's, Oh my gosh, that got me excited. (laughs) (laughs) It is all about epic stories in our house. My husband's a storyteller. So we love our epic stories. Yes. (laughs) I think stories anyway, are so powerful. Like you had mentioned, I mean, we all, I think every human being learns really well through stories. Mm -hmm. And so if we can utilize those, then it's great. And it's very powerful. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh man. So many good things. <laughs> I know. Uh, the other thing to talk about sex, love to talk about it with parents. It's great stuff. Great stuff. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> um, another thing I wanted to bring up is, um, which, it, um, kind of backpacks off Leah's question. Um, so, you know, you did very well explaining like how we set the set the stage stage, excuse me, to talk about sex and what that means, um, before you really get into any nitty gritty details. Um, but can we talk about that part of it? Like, okay, so now we're ready for the nitty gritty details. Like, how do we go about that part? Because that's the part I feel like that is the really, the part where as parents were like, frozen and we get really scared and like, how, how do we approach those actual details? Oh, Mm -hmm. I know. And I'm going to, I'm going to have to do it for real in my life. It's, it's, I will tell you, it's a lot easier to talk to other parents and be like, Hey, you're going to have to have this conversation with your kids. Good luck. Uh, (laughs) Versus realizing like, Oh, I'm going to have to have that conversation. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I think for a while there was this big emphasis on purity culture, right? And you took your kids away for a week and you did this thing. And, and I, I think there's a, there's a gem of truth in that. And 
if that worked, you know, for you growing up, but the idea more that like setting aside time intentionally for this conversation to happen. So often it can feel like we're just kind of, you know, chatting in the car because you're driving from here to there. But when the first time you want to have this conversation, and if you can, I think it's important to have set aside time for it, you know, to say like, we're going to have a conversation this weekend and I'm really excited to, get to talk to you about it. We're going to talk about some really important things. Um, and you don't have to say what yet, but that you've marked it so that you are focused, right? You're not distracted. And if the question were to come up before then, I, I would say you have a choice. You can either sit there and unpack or you can say, you know, that's a great question. And I want to be able to really um, focus when we do that. Let's set time this weekend to talk about it. So either way, you are planning. You don't have to go on a massive camping trip and all this but you are setting aside time as a parent to focus on your kid in a world that is so distracted, right? Because you're going to need to be able to read your kid's face and their body language to get a sense of how they're receiving this, right? Because maybe you're like Leah and you're like, but I don't, what are you talking about? I don't know. Right. And so you as a parent need to realize like, hmm, this isn't, this isn't clicking. Okay. Okay. That's fine. And then, you know, if you have that conversation, could it be, you know, nine, 10 years old, um, 11, 12, depending again on the emotional maturity, of your kid appears and things like that. You start, I, I would say you start with, Hey, you know, we've, we've talked about like God has given moms and dads, these different special body parts. Like, right. If I'm talking to my daughter, I'm gonna say, you know how we've talked about like you and I have a uterus and a vagina. And like, what is, what is that for? Well, babies come out of that. Right. And you know, we bleed every month. Okay. So you're starting from a point of something they understand mm-hmm. versus like, if you have a son and you're saying, okay, we know that God has given you a penis, like, right. But that's different than what I have as a mom or moms mm-hmm. have. And, and, and our, you know, my kids are, they have little male cousins and it's very, they, they watch the diaper being changed. And I'm like, mm-hmm. huh, this doesn't, you can just see the like wheels turning, like that doesn't mm-hmm. look the same. And so you'll say, but, but you know that, you know, boys have something different. Boys have what's called a penis and God created us differently on purpose because God knew when those two would come together, that it would create or potentially create a baby. And so how does that happen? Well, when a mommy and a daddy love each other. And, and again, it seems very simple to us. We're like, oh, but there's these exceptions. We're, we're laying the framework. You're not only having one conversation in your whole life. That's what we have to remember too. And we'd say, look, when they are married and they love each other, the, and then you just say it, like the man is going to, the daddy's going to put his penis inside and there's going to be a little seed this planet. And you know, their brain's probably going, what? <laughs> like, what are you talking about? And then you just pause in our nervousness. We can start really chatting and talking and oversharing. And kind of as you're going, just pause and engage and check in. Where's my kid at? How are they receiving this? Have I shared enough? Is that enough? Okay. Like, where'd you going to unpack that? Maybe it's just, maybe we need to start back of like, how do you think babies get inside? You need to gauge your kid because there's a danger in oversharing mm-hmm. so that they either shut all of it out. Right. Or you can watch them just shut down and be like, oh my gosh, I'm terrified. Um, and so you share a little bit and then you get, do you have questions so far? Yes. No. Okay. And then maybe you share a little bit more. Um, but you know, I would say that first conversation, you're just introducing the concept of, Hmm, God created us differently on purpose. And God desires that these bodies come together in a very real physical sense. But the best context for that is marriage. Mm -hmm. You didn't have to unpack all that. You just said, Hey, 
this is a good thing that God created for a mommy and a daddy in marriage, right? And as they, as they grow, that conversation is going to mature. You're going to unpack, you know, over the next 10 years of their life. uh, What is, what does that mean? Like, what if I'm attracted to somebody before I'm married to them? And, and why is there this desire? And why does God say that marriage is the best place? Um, You know, and, and if you have boys, like, what does a wet dream mean? Does this mean I've like somehow messed up in the middle of my sleep? No, 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 no. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, But at that first conversation, you're just jumping that first hurdle of like these two parts go together because let's be honest, it's probably the hardest part for all of us to say. Mm -hmm. And then you wait and you end that conversation, no matter how it goes, you say, this is such an important and special conversation. I want us to have this anytime you have questions and mommy and daddy, we're going to bring this up. We're going to keep talking about it because apart from your decision about Jesus Christ, your decision about this really special thing called sex is going to be one of the most important decisions you make. And it matters. And we are here to help you figure it out. And no questions ever off limits. Nothing's going to make us freak out. No matter what you hear on the playground, no matter what your friends say, I want you to come to me first. And if I don't know the answer, figure it out together. And you say that over and over and over again. Because with each kid, it's actually going to look different. You know, some kids are going to need to hear more of the like, you're going to get somebody pregnant and the STDs and are you prepared for this? Other kids are going to need to hear more of like, what is this going to do to your heart? Right. Other kids are going to need to hear that it's okay. Like I know someday you, I know you think right now, boys are the grossest thing ever. It's okay. If someday you don't think they're gross anymore. And, Mm -hmm. and how do you like adjust that? And that conversation will develop, but but being able to just keep that door open, being able to come back, like I love Leah that your mom came back to you and said, okay, I don't think, I don't think it resonated the first time. And that's so good to be able to say like, Ooh, maybe didn't nail it the first time. Right. Mm-hmm. Maybe you walk out of that. And you're like, that was a bust. <laughs> <laughs> the point is you showed up, you planted a seed and, and you created the opportunity for your kid to ask you questions. And one day it will be rewarded. And you just keep doing it and keep doing it and keep doing it, keep showing up and keep reaffirming. I really do want all your questions, right? Yeah, Um, I love, I really love that. I still remember to this day, like my mom loved having these conversations, Um, but I just kept looking at her like, you don't need to have these conversations with me. Sex is so disgusting. Like no desire, like nastiest, grossest thing. Like why would anyone want to have sex? And I would just be like, I don't even know why people have babies. Like that's gross. (laughs) And so I was like, why do you keep trying to have this conversation with me? I don't even want to have sex. Well, what's interesting for me, I've realized looking back, my parents didn't talk about sex all that much, but what they did do a really good job of was reinforcing. There is a standard that I should expect in the way that men treat me. And yes, sex was a part of it. And like, it, it, you know, it was woven into the conversation, but I don't remember a whole lot. Of, like I, I got married in panic. So I was like, I don't actually think I know how sex works in terms of like, <laughs> what am I supposed to do? But I did have a very clear understanding of the fact that this has emotional, spiritual, and physical significance. And that a guy will treat me accordingly based on how I view myself, based on the standard I create. And so my dad treated me and loved me so well that it was like, well, that's the bar folks. So Mm -hmm. if you think that you're going to somehow step into that place, you have to at least 
meet that bar or greater. And so, you know, as parents, again, you don't, ha- I would say you don't have to have all the conversation about all the semantics of sex, but if you are reinforcing that, that we were made with a purpose, that marriage is beautiful. How often do we hear that marriage is just like, oh, the hardest thing ever. Like, no, marriage is a good thing. Sex is a good thing. And because it is a good thing, God, God intentionally gives us um, some instructions about where it's best. And this is what it looks like for someone to respect you, for someone to love you, for someone to cherish you, what it looks like to love and respect. You know, there's a lot of conversations there of like, if I love you and I care about you and I respect you, I'm not going to push you to things that will hurt you. I'm not going to push you beyond your comfort level, right? All of that is teaching our kids how to then walk into a world that says, oh, if you love me, you'll do whatever I ask. And we say, no, we understand what love is. We understand what it looks like to actually be valued. We're going to model that and we're going to expect that. I love it. So good. I know. I, you've made me speechless over here. I'm just like, yes to everything. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. But like, I just, I, I believe that there is so much power in, in what a mom can do in a home and, mm-hmm. and, and what women can do in culture and society. And when we begin to walk uh, in the power of Christ, not on our own power, uh, although I do think women wield a lot of power and you can use it wrongly or you can use it for good it's incredible to see what God will do through that and, and how we raise our kids. Really. If like, if we're raising them to love Jesus, to, to be willing to give everything for him, then all of this falls under that. Right. So if you're like, I don't know how I'm going to talk about sex, talk to them about Jesus, talk to them about how much Jesus loves them, how much you love Jesus, how much they get to love Jesus, like what it is to live out life in the power of the Holy spirit. And those other conversations will flow from that because if our first love is Christ, then everything else that we do will come from that. Um, and that's the thing in the world, right? All of us love something and the world says, love yourself. And those of us who are people of the cross, we say, love Jesus. And, and you will learn how to love people and love yourself. Well, so good. (laughs) Yes. I just also see this translating into so much more confidence especially Mm. for young women as Mm, they go through that um quote-unquote awkward stage like really learning you know that you should be valued and hopefully get you out of that like bad boy stage because you just you know yeah there's a really fascinating video called the economics of sex by the austin institute and they kind of play out like well what is it what happened right when women lowered the bar how we actually got what like worse supply and demand, right? When more women demand more men rise to the occasion. And, and when women started trying to lower the bar, it didn't actually help women. It just benefited the guys. And so when we can begin to say, wait, I need to, I need to raise the standard uh, again of what I expect. You will see men rise to the occasion. I really do believe it. And, and we have an incredible power privilege and, I would say even responsibility to the men around us to call them up to that greatness that is possible in them uh, by us valuing who we are. That's so good. <laughs> okay. Before we go though, cause I know we're probably getting close on time. I, I want, I want to give something to your listeners um, because oh, I know yes. we packed a lot here, but I, I did create a, an ebook for your listeners. This just 
going back to the very beginning where we talked about like, how do you even begin to unravel this and how, if we get our foundation, right, it, it launches us into the better direction. Mm -hmm. So if they go to, um, wild and beautiful places.com section, my blog backslash parent ebook, they can get a free ebook that unpacks a bit more of like, what does the world have to say? What is the church probably wrongly told us? And what is this new position that we can work from speak from and, and by shifting our perspective, it's going to translate into all of these little conversations that you've thought through and have not thought through, but are going to come one day. Yeah. <laughs> so I want to make sure your, your listeners get that because it's exciting to work from a place of, you know what, I'm rooted in scripture. Um, and, and, uh, it's life-giving. It's not, Oh, it's not shame-filled. It's not fear-inducing. We get to present the best version and understanding of sex to our children and to the world. And it's fun. It's really fun. It's just like genuinely like delightful uh, mm -hmm. to think about what it is to speak life uh, into these places where for so many, it, it's just brokenness and death. Uh, so true. Thank you so much for putting that together. I'll make sure to add that in the show notes the show for notes. this episode. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. That's so, so great. I'm definitely going to go download it and Perfect. tell all my people to download it. <laughs> yeah. So great. Well, thanks so much again for coming on, Joanna. This is oh, such a wonderful conversation. And yeah, I just, I think it's so important. It's a very important conversation and you just said it so well, and you did say it delightfully, like you said, like you made it this joyful thing, which is something that, you know, a lot of people don't think about when they think about having the sex talk. So <laughs> thank yeah. you for that. It's so great. My privilege anytime. And people can find me. I'm, I'm not hard to find. It's just Joanna Hyatt. And I welcome questions and follow-up conversations on this. Um, because when we women work together, we're stronger for it. Yes. Oh, I love it. We'll put everything in the show notes. Yes. Perfect. We'll do. Perfect. All thank right. you well, thank so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Just Between Us Women podcast. You can find us on Instagram at Just Between Us Women podcast. And we absolutely would love to hear from you. If you found this episode helpful, share it with a friend and be sure to share it to your Instagram story and tag us so we can see. You can expect episodes every Tuesday.